Hello and welcome to the Tell Me If You Can podcast, a podcast where I have the honor of listening to and unpacking the stories of amazing women. My name is Ugechi, your host, and today's guest is Eunice Martel. Eunice is a life coach who lives in British Columbia, Canada, who recently tackled her huge goal of completing a marathon during the pandemic. In today's episode, I sit down with Eunice as she shares her thought process in attacking this goal and the obstacles that came up along the way. She also gives tips on how we can go about goal setting in this new year. Let's listen to Eunice's story. Hi, Eunice. Welcome to the podcast. For those of us that don't know who you are, can you give us a quick bio, what you do, and where you're from? Absolutely. Ogechi. My name is Eunice Martel. I live in Victoria, British Columbia with my husband and two children, and I am a life coach. Awesome. British Columbia. That is so cool. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Um, Did you always live in British Columbia? And what were some of your goals and professionally or life goals growing up? Uh, I grew up in Montreal, so I've always been a life, uh, an island girl. <laughs> I grew up on the island of Montreal, and I went to a school that was academically focused. So I didn't, um, I didn't play too many sports. I did play uh, volleyball and some basketball. My younger sister is way better at basketball than I am today, um, <laughs> and we did do a little bit of running, but not too much. Nice. So your island, what is something unique about living in that area that people may not know? Um, That you don't have to be bilingual. A lot of people think when they hear Quebec or Montreal, they think, oh, so you speak French. And yes, I do. It is my mother tongue. But not everybody who's from Montreal speaks French. You can get away with not speaking French. Wow. Okay. So when you say that your school was academic focused, Um, how did you get, you did only very little sports. So from that kind of background, how did you get into running a marathon, which is something that you you did this year? And why did you pick that goal? Um, so after I graduated, I went to Sejac, which is kind of like college. And then I studied the sciences. I wanted to become um, a speech pathologist. So I moved to Victoria to study that, study linguistics. And I think it was here that I saw people running just for fun. Mm-hmm. And it always intrigued me. I'm like, why would, why would you run if you weren't being chased? <laughs> and so um, I, some of my friends started running or were runners and they got me into the sport. They're like, you know what? It's fine. You don't have to go fast and you don't have to go far. You can just do what you want. I was like, oh, okay. So I joined a running clinic and I ran a few 5Ks and they were interval training. And that was really appealing to me because I didn't, you know, I didn't really want to be running (laughs) all that much. I didn't really understand what was going on or why people would do this socially. Um, But the running community is very inclusive and very welcoming. So I started and stopped running several times in the past, I'd say, 13 years. And... Then last October, I ran an eight kilometer turkey trot. And my friend who was at the finish line said, hey, you know, I bet you, you'd love to run a marathon. I said, get out of here. Why would I do that? <laughs> right? um, I, yes. My objection was, 
I don't want to run all day. Like it sounds like a, a goal that would take too much to work towards. Um, but then the wheel started turning. So I said to myself, like, you know what? I could run a marathon if I wanted to. And do I want to? And I took a little bit of time to think about it. Not too long. And I said, yeah, sure. Let's sign up for a marathon next year. And that's what, and that's what I did. Honestly, the jump from an 8K to a marathon, how many kilometers is a marathon for those that may not know? A marathon is 42.2 kilometers. That's a huge jump. And your previous experience was mostly 5Ks and then you did that turkey trot, which is a little bit longer. And so for some people, if they were planning, they might've chosen a half marathon, which would be the next step pretty much from an 8K. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's for some people, obviously not you, you went full force, which is amazing. Um, why did you, why did you have fear of making that huge jump? And um, who are like, what are some lessons that you learned along the way that you didn't know from your other running experience? Right. Um, I had, so I had run 10 Ks before and I had walked a half marathon, I think five years ago. So I knew a little bit of what was involved. Um, and I knew from that half marathon that I walked five years ago, I learned um, about nothing new on race day. That's something that runners will tell you that you don't try anything new on race day because mm-hmm. I woke up on that Sunday five years ago thinking, you know what, today would be a good day to break in these shoes. And I walked oh a half marathon. Yes. <laughs> these are the mistakes you make along the way. <laughs> um, so I broke in my shoes for a half marathon, walking it. I walked four hours and it, it hurt. I, I hurt for days. Oh so <laughs> I knew that um, when I signed up for my full marathon in 2020, I decided to Uh, My friend said, well, maybe you should run a half marathon too. And I was like, okay, sure. No problem. I signed up for that too. Um, So the half marathon happened in May. It would be my first time running it. And um, I trained up for that by running three times a week, I think. And then there was some cross training involved, which, you know, I think I only did 60% of the cross training, if we're being honest, Mm because I just, it wasn't in me. I was like, I don't. It's not really interesting to me. Like, I didn't see the benefit of <laughs> increasing my core strength and and um, doing deadlifts for squats and stuff. training for people that don't know what that yeah. is? Yeah. Um, essentially, it's doing another sport that supports the running. So um, swimming would be a good one. Bicycling would be a good one. And um, core core strength training. So lifting weights definitely helps with build the muscles in your thighs so that you can have explosive, you know, so you can be light on your feet, so to speak. Yes. And um, you want to balance it out. You want to balance leg day with with upper body day because you don't want to look weird. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, exactly. As a personal Um, trainer, it's funny that you say that because I probably... Uh, when I did in high school, I did track and field. I was definitely a sprinter. So long distance for me was like the 800 meter. <laughs> yeah. But um, we did a lot of athletes do cross training. So whether you play tennis or lacrosse, oftentimes you have a, a few 
moments in the gym to lift weights to strengthen those muscles. And for me, that's how I knew I fell in love with strength sports as I'm a power lifter now and I personal train people on strength training um, because I love those days more than I love the running days. Yeah. So it's funny that you only chose to do 60% because, and again, that's <laughs> lessons learned, you know, just yes. like you shouldn't break in your shoes the day mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. You, those other parts of trainings are there for a reason. So it's great that you, um, you experienced that in not the full marathon, but in smaller races along the and, way. Yeah. Um, more power to you. I need to get some tips from you because I, I need Gladly. to know how to make cross training fun because I, I just, I don't like it. Like I downloaded a seven minute app that has me doing um, core strength for seven minutes is just seven minutes. And I still, I cannot find the time or I do not make the time to to work on it. (laughs) I can definitely give you some tips um, offline or even for anybody that's listening. If you're interested, go ahead and um, message both of us and we can even um, talk more about this, maybe a part two of this podcast. But I think just to briefly give some tips for people, For me, it's all about the goal, right? And we're going to talk a little bit about goals later on, but Mm -hmm. you may not like something. I hate abs. Like I hate it with my whole heart, but I also love doing it because I know that I have to embrace what I hate to do because that's where my weakness lies physically and mentally and all of those things. And so if something is not something that's fun for me, it doesn't have to be fun, but it fuels the thing that's fun for me so absolutely weights or core strengthens your core it makes you run faster or be recover faster after each run and so if you're thinking about the why behind it even if it sucks along the way that makes it better and so each time you do it you might just like you may never fall in love with it but you'll conquer it better and better each time. And then it translates to the sport that you love. So that's usually what I do because if you ask me to plank or do sit-ups or whatever for fun, I would laugh in your face. Right. Um, But (laughs) the more you plank and do sit-ups, the the less likely I'm going to be injured trying to do squats or something else, or the faster I can run, the more I do lunges and things like that, then yes, I would do it because I love that sport and I want to see results in that sport. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point to bring up. Um, I did smarten up between May and <laughs> October, and I did a few more, a few more squats than I had intended to, <laughs> right? Um, and I did see the benefits in that I, I would recover so much faster. Mm-hmm. You're right on that because now, um, like May, June, July, running ten kilometers was almost baseline for me. Right. And I was like, oh, like years ago, this this was my goal. Like 10 kilometer was the goal distance. And now I'm doing this, you know, right before breakfast on a Tuesday. Not a problem. And I didn't have to stay in bed for the whole day after running 10 kilometers because it was my new baseline. Okay, let's talk about that, because I think it's easy to gloss over that. And Mm -hmm. someone might be like, well, she's done races before. But can, can you give people a timeline between when a 10K was like an arduous task, you know, like a mm-hmm. goal or reach, and then when it became a baseline? How long was that timeline? Um, 
when did it become easy? <laughs> when I when I started consistently running three days a week, mm-hmm. um, I think maybe like f- six weeks, seven weeks. Yeah, so it it took time, but it wasn't like forever. And I think it wasn't what years. No. <laughs> Yeah, the, it shortens the, the what shortens the time is that consistency and also the dedication to that extra training too. Yes, if you yeah. are running and dabbling here and there, which is probably what I do, why I've never have never completed a five k comfortably. Um, <laughs> uh, if I if you dedicate it and you leaned into that discomfort of training, that's when now what was a reach for you is more of a baseline, and I think that's a great lesson, not just in running, but I think in everything. Um, that that consistency and dedicating yourself the time and all of it was important to make it now a baseline. So now your your marker for your goal has shifted. Yeah. Um, what's interesting too is uh, I think in March or April is when the races started getting canceled. Like the organization started um, postponing or delaying the races. And I had to ask myself, I was like, okay, well, what are you going to do? Like, how important was it for you to sign up for that medal? Like, I really wanted that medal. It was going to have my name on it and my time. Like, it was a huge accomplishment, my first marathon. And I was definitely going to celebrate my way. Um, But when it got canceled, I was like, okay, I still want to do this. So my race is canceled, but running is not canceled. So I Mm. committed myself again to the goal of running a marathon on my birthday. And that was it shifted the way I thought about it because it was no longer, um, I have to wake up now. I have to get out of bed and get to running because I paid for something. It was like the money wasn't the motivator anymore. It was self-motivated. Like I wanted to do something that I had never done before that if you had asked me five years ago, or even last year, if you had told me that I was going to run a marathon, I would have been like, stop it. Like, why would I do that? (laughs) (laughs) But something changed because I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the sport. I started running four days a week um, after my half marathon because I needed to increase. Uh, I needed to increase my um, miles per week that I ran, and I couldn't do it all in one day. So I added an extra day, and uh, my long runs were, you know, the shortest long run was probably two hours, and then I would train for three hours, and then I would run for four hours people would ask me, why are you doing this? (laughs) I said, I I genuinely enjoy having the time to myself. And I listen to great podcasts. So I hear like different things and different stories from different people. And I enjoy, you know, running away from my family. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the time that you were dedicating to yourself was probably a huge time for so many people. I think so many people re-embraced running or walking or any kind of physical activity because of, you know, maybe they were fed up with being inside for so long or they wanted an outlet for frustration, anxiety with the pandemic and everything happening. And Mm -hmm. you had already kind of created this foundation for this sport that you then fell in love with at a time where um, you very much probably needed that outlet. Like many people during the pandemic when everything was really locked down so I think that was such a blessing for you at that time and a gift to yourself. It really was. Um, and then in the summer, there was a two-week period where the air quality was poor. And mm. 
I thought that I would have to run my marathon in November and I just didn't want to do that. Like I really, I was upset. (laughs) And that two weeks showed me the importance of rest because I think my body needed it too. Like I was tired, right? I was training, I was running miles and miles and miles every week. And yes, I had one rest day, but I wasn't like, I didn't have a week or two off like I did when the air quality was poor. Um, yes. In powerlifting and a lot of um, strength sports, those two weeks, maybe more like a week though, would be called a deload week mm-hmm. where you kind of like let your body chill. You might still move. Maybe you could have done some of that strength training that you love. Yeah. <laughs> during those two weeks. But yeah. you're not like going full force like you normally would four days a week. So you would lift... Um, not as heavy? Not as heavy, exactly. Okay. So okay. some people, depending on their goals and how they're programmed, some people go back down to doing um, like lighter weight and then they ramp it back up if they're not competing. Or you kind of just do the week before I would have a competition, I just would do some like leg accessories, some arm accessories, keep those muscles pumped and blood rushing. But yeah. I'm not lifting heavy weights because I'm saving that for the competition day. So that right. would be like a deload week. Okay. And is that worked into the program? Or, or exactly. is it just... Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a little bit of a panic because I didn't know what to do. So I spoke with my life coach and we f- came up with a plan. And we said, hey, like if... Like we came up with what were my options? And my options were to run in November, which I really didn't want to do. I could run it in October on my birthday and, you know, have two weeks less of preparation or I could run it indoors. Like if the air quality kept being poor, I could run indoors and do it on a treadmill and watch movies instead of listening to podcasts. I'm like, okay, that's sounds terrible, but it, it also is not that bad. All things considered, like if that was an option, um, And what I chose to do was to look at the two-week break after it happened um, as a break. And I was like, it's fine. It's not a problem that I was off for two weeks. Um, It's actually going to help me be better. And the re-entry into the long long distances, I think at that point I was running 14 or 16 miles. It didn't hurt as much as it would have if I had gone from no training. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, like yes. the, m- my muscles and my body were accustomed to the distance. Rigor. Yeah, yes. I didn't that's, lose anything. I mean, that's a great reminder. It actually, a lot of this reminds me. I'm not sure if you saw the film, but it was called um, "Britney Runs a Marathon," and I think oh, it was on Netflix. Yes. <laughs> I bawled so many times. Oh yes. Well, no spoilers, but um, she did have a forced break. Um, kind of like you and also for her I think her goals were kind of um, not to say that your goals were uh, like shallow or anything like that but for a lot of people sometimes the motivator is like why paid for this marathon so when you're not really into it that can be a motivator which cannot which isn't necessarily a terrible thing but like you said when that was kind of taken away because it was canceled you reevaluated and discovered that no, money wasn't your only motivator. You actually loved that and you wanted to accomplish this goal. And um, in the movie, 
she's a little stubborn character and she tries to do it on her own and she she's very stubborn and she thinks that she has to go full force 1000 percent and she learns that she can't do it all on her own and she needs to lean into her support system so you talk a little bit about your life coach but who are the other people that were part of that support system along the way especially when the two-week force because of weather issues and the pandemic all of those things that were valleys along your way um, my cheering squad included my children, my spouse, and my friends who would hear me talk about it incessantly. <laughs> don't you love those? <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I don't know if they heard everything I said, but they certainly got the chance to hear a lot. <laughs> I had two friends in particular who were also runners, so they definitely were um, receptive and offered some feedback. Um, also, what I did with the half marathon, I wish I had done it in the marathon, was I set up specific cheering sections. So every four kilometers, I had people uh, holding out water or apples for me and uh, just cheering me on. So mentally, when I was running the half marathon, I knew that I was just running four kilometers and that I would get a break after that. Um, I was a little bit apprehensive at for the marathon because I didn't know how I would feel for that whole distance. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it would take me eight hours and I didn't know exactly where to position people um, because I didn't want them standing in the rain waiting for me. Um, oh, it rained that day. It, it could have, it didn't, oh, okay. but it okay. could have. Um, so I do, if I, if I am to do another marathon, I will set up stations every maybe every six or seven kilometers along the way. Um, Another thing I did, yeah, another thing I did was I counted in miles because 26.2 miles sounded more achievable and attainable than 42.2 kilometers. Like I just could not wrap my head around 42. Like that's that's a long (laughs) distance. Yes, it almost sounds like you're doing half, even though it really is the same. But yes, 26 and 42... Meant, yeah. like, and that's a psychological tri- trick yeah. too and a lot of times people break up things I like but that you said at least with the half marathon that you created these kind of like part way markers for yourself and if you could get to the next person and then the next person you had this reward of seeing them and receiving water or fruit from them and yeah. I think that's a great tip for whatever goal you're having whether it's a marathon whether it's um, any kind of training you have this goal of, I don't know, mastering this routine for a dance or something. If you can get the next few steps and then the next few steps and that like psychological game yeah. that you play with yourself is a huge thing that a lot of athletes do. And I yeah, think that's breaking really it down. Cool. Yes. Um, well, how old are your children and did they get involved at all with your training? Um, my kids are, this summer they were nine and 11. And they did not get involved with the training. My nine-year-old is probably going to be a runner. And she could probably have done the half marathon without training. And that would have, you know, good for her. But I did not want her to steal my thunder. So (laughs) she was not invited. Um, My son, the 11-year-old, came during my marathon. He came and brought me a change of socks because it had been a little bit there had been a little bit of rain earlier and my socks Mm -hmm. were were making um 
what are those things called? <sighs> squeaking noises? No, blisters. blisters. Yeah, I was getting, you know, blisters on my feet. So I decided to change my socks and he brought over my phone charger so I could top it up a little bit. Um, and I visited with him and he's, he's so full of life. You know, he's like, hey, mommy, how's it going? I'm like, this is fantastic. Like, you're a ray of sunshine. Thank you for bringing me what I need. And thank you for coming. It was really encouraging. Oh, my gosh. I love it. That's really cool. And like, I mean, necessary with the socks for sure. Because yes. that could that discomfort could really put a damper, no pun intended, <laughs> on your experience and, you know, make it harder for you. Um, so tell me more about your life coach. How did you get it? Did you always have one or was this something that was new because of your goal for this marathon? It was something new for, I hired her to help me launch my own life coaching business and for the okay. marathon because okay. I had, I had goals and I wanted to reach them. Um, and I needed, I knew that I needed the support to stay on track because I could mm -hmm. easily have um, fallen off the wagon and just chosen a different race or, you know, do it next year. Because when I posted the question or I had seen on the internet that you should take 18 months to train for a marathon and I only had 12 and I didn't really want to extend it that, um, extended it very long. And um, so we came up with a plan together and that was really, really beneficial. Um, and yeah. What else? What else did you ask? No, that, that answers my question perfectly. I think that's um, a great thing to realize. I, I know that life coaching is something that's grown a lot. And sometimes people think that to be a life coach, you have to have everything together. Um, oh, which no. is, doesn't make sense to <laughs> know who, who amongst us has everything together. So I think that's great that you realize that you needed someone to guide you along your goals professionally. And yes. then um, obviously your fitness goals and they, they came in handy. They gave you, they were able to break things down. And I often think of a life coach as someone that um, you have all these options swirling, almost like a tornado and you're in the midst of training and dealing with your family and all of those things in the middle of a pandemic, might I add. So she's kind of like an objective person that can shine a light to Yes. The options that you really needed to focus on. And so when yes. she broke down those three options, you were able to see clearer. And that's yes. kind of what I think of a life coach. Um, so I have a question. So this year, 2021, when this podcast airs, um, mm -hmm. many people, as many years, might be setting goals for the new year. Some people might actually be afraid to set goals because of the constant disappointments or pain, like serious pain that they experienced in 2020. What do you think are the benefits of setting a goal, even if there is uncertainty in the mix? I appreciate setting goals because it gives you a destination. Mm. You know what you're working towards. Um, and the map, you can look at the map and you see that there are many different directions to take. And there are many different ways to get to your destination. But choosing where to go and becoming the person who gets to their destination by being the person who doesn't quit ahead of time because you know you're not going to get there, like that is huge. I really, I mean, it's great to set goals and all, but like it's also good to break them down into smaller attainable goals and goals that 
like stack up and help you reach the destination. I love that you said that, that it's the importance of setting goals is it gives you a destination and there are many different routes. Exactly. Like if you put in your address to GPS and you're coming from one location, everybody is familiar with the different routes. There's some, the most direct route that is usually the one that's recommended by whatever GPS system you use. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then, you know, in case there's traffic, there's an alternate route. There may be weather alerts. So you want to take a different route because you don't want to go on roads that are flooded or whatever. Um, There might be an accident along the way. And so you'll still get there if that's truly where you're destined to be. Um, Or sometimes you have a pit stop along the way. And the point is that you're choosing a destination and, I really like that. I love that metaphor a lot. Yeah. And so for you, do you, what are some tips for people as they start to set these goals, whether they're family goals, professional goals, they want to start something new, they want to pick up where they might have left off with a goal. What are mm-hmm. some tips that you have for people? Um, I would say to write it down like with your pen and paper to write it down because that solidifies it and it makes it more real. Um, Also sending yourself, um, sending yourself a letter or writing yourself a letter from the place of you having accomplished that goal Mm. is like phenomenal. Just transporting yourself to the future and looking back and seeing how far you've come and who you've become by setting and attaining those goals is amazing. Love that practice. Um, of course, I, I want you to hire a life coach because I think they are the greatest people in the world. <laughs> um, and um, But find your resources and surround yourself with the tools that you need to accomplish or to get to that destination. I love those. Yes, um, writing it down is definitely something, whether it's goals or even gratitude, writing it down really puts, when you put something pen to paper, I mean, maybe you might want to write notes in your book or whatever, online or whatever, but I definitely find writing something down on a piece of paper helps. And I really love the tip about transporting yourself into that place of accomplishment, um, envisioning what it feels like. All of those senses are a part of who we are. So where would you be what does it look like to have accomplished that goal? I love yeah. that it's so much yeah. because then you can kind of create the environment that that need that goal needs. Because sometimes yes. people might have, um, for example, I really have always had a goal for a podcast um, before 2020. I always had a goal for a podcast. It was something in my head. I had done research, listened to webinars, like I had compiled notes and notes and notes about yes. everything that I needed to start a podcast. For whatever reason, I just couldn't hit go, go. And so I had to, because of the pandemic, I had no other choice but to pick up something new. And I thought, well, why not this thing that's been in the back of my head for so long? And if I were to envision myself, honestly, I probably wouldn't envision myself in the middle of a pandemic starting a podcast. Of course not. (laughs) But I wouldn't envision myself being in a job that allowed me the flexibility to work from home and have yeah. hours that allowed me to interview people. I would have envisioned myself being able to do this virtually because I wanted to interview so many. I mean, you're in British Columbia. 
no chance that I would ever get to see you in person to interview you. So it's mm-hmm. amazing that I have the technology and the, the resources to do that. Um, what devices would I need? What support from my family and my husband, friends cheering me on? All of that is part of the environment of the goal being accomplished. And sometimes we just think that we need to check off these boxes, but all of those things and people are with us along the way. Yeah. So are you with the friends that will be smiling for you when you accomplish those goals or will those friends probably frown for you or not really be cheering you on? If that's the case, then maybe part of your goal setting process is trimming the fat in your friendships or relationships. Yeah. Um, so those are some things that I always think about and I love that you brought that up. And then obviously like you're partial to a coach. <laughs> if you can't, if, if a life coach isn't in the cards for you right now, I think, like you said, surrounding yourself with amazing people is the first step. And then once those people are, sometimes the people that love you cannot really do that for you. So you need a professional or a coach, Um, whether it's for a year, forever, or just for a short period of time as you get this started. And then, you know, resources, the internet is full of amazing resources, but finding the resources that work best for you, whatever that goal is. I love Um, that. What is your approach to being a life coach? Um, I work with people by really being attentive to what they're saying. Um, I focus a lot on listening to find out the things that they're not telling me. (laughs) I I like to hear what the subtext is and, and what that soundtrack playing in their minds and the things that they believe. And I work with them by showing them, uh, their blind spots, you know, like, Hey, you know, if you believe that you could, you probably would, because so far you've believed that you couldn't and you haven't. So let's, yeah, what are some different things that we could try to get you to where you're going? Again, with the map and the destination, yeah, <laughs> I definitely yeah, see myself. Different. Yeah, I see myself as a co-pilot. Like I, I'm holding the map and, and I'm helping you stay on track and get to the destination. I love that. I love that co-pilot analogy because the person is still, they're the pilot in this journey. They're still the person that's making the decisions. You're just guiding them and giving them sense of direction. And they have to, they have to say, yes, you can't make anybody make decisions to accomplish goals. That is all on them, but you're helping them along the way. Just like you have a GPS, you could choose to ignore everything that it suggests. (laughs) (laughs) and I've done that before and it's like rerouting 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 um but as long as that person has that guide that helps them along their journey yeah um one question I always ask women especially women that have families and careers is how do they maintain balance how do you maintain Um, balance I prioritize what I what I need to is mm-hmm. how I maintain balance. So I definitely up there is gratitude practice, whether it's three words or, you know, an entry in my journal, I make sure to every day be grateful for three things. Um, and I, I've discovered the importance of rest. So I'm not mm-hmm. always working or I'm not always parenting. I, I definitely carve out a few minutes here and there to be with me. And I appreciate that. I think that helps me keep going. What do you do in those moments of rest? It looks different for, for everybody. 
um, the quickest moments of rest are taking uh, extra time to <laughs> to dry myself off after a shower. I'll just <laughs> extend that. Yeah, that's the quickest way. Um, another way of rest is to go for a slow run. I know it mm. seems counterintuitive, but you know, a good podcast episode with a slow run can be very peaceful. I love that. It just sounds like you're being in tune with your body and you're really carving out that time for yourself. I always tell women, especially, um, and anybody really that's listening, but I feel like everybody should have a physical goal for their body that truly challenges them because there's so much growth, personal growth that is involved in that. And yeah. obviously you experienced that with running, but for me, that was powerlifting. I never thought that I would ever compete in powerlifting. It wasn't a sport that women competed in that I knew of. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's changed a lot now. But for some people, that's yoga. And I've, I've known people that have started up yoga at like older age, and they really never would have done it in a younger age, or mm -hmm. Pilates, or dance, or anything that allows you to really be in tune with your body that stretches you that's hard yeah, you have yeah. to like truly show up for I think that's where like a lot for me lifting is like a spiritual practice also as much of a physical practice because it it transformed it has transformed me mentally and spiritually as well as physically and it sounds like yes it sounds like I, this has done that for you though too because yeah. that time that you were spending running and two hours alone with yourself sounds like a gift that so yes. many moms don't have. Imagine that gift for yourself, not just to physically be healthy, but a gift to do something that challenges you mentally and spiritually and you grow and you give yourself the gift of time and attention that you've carved out for yourself. That's a gift. And so I love, love, love that you gave yourself that gift over these years. Yeah, and no, I can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine doing that um, three years ago, two hours no. to myself consecutively. What? <laughs> week. I mean, seriously, it's if you put it in perspective, I bet you there might be a ton of moms <laughs> starting yeah. to run now because that's a great blessing, a great gift. Whether yeah. it's running, running, walking, or hiking or whatever it should yeah. be a challenge and it should be something that you are gifting yourself not necessarily doing it for any sort of beauty gains or you know physique gains because I think that's sometimes when we think of women doing any kind of sport sometimes unfortunately it's associated with body goals and things like that but I always think of it as a gift to yourself and whatever yeah. that transforms into is an extra but the biggest thing you've gotten out of running, I think, is the gift of time for yourself and self-care mm -hmm. and also accomplishing a goal. And now you have that experience to translate into your life coaching. So mm -hmm. I think that's totally amazing. Do you have yeah. any hope for the new year? Maybe a marathon in the new year? No, no, no. Um, my, <laughs> my, you know how some people have kids and then after the last one, they're like, okay, one more, one more. That didn't happen with me. <laughs> I, I did my marathon and I'm happy I did it. Um, my next goal is to shave off seven minutes on my half marathon in 2021. And I signed up to run uh, 1000 kilometers in 2021. So those are my, those are my running goals. 
1000 for the whole year? Yes. Wow. So that's going to require me to be a consistent runner, which is yes. only something that I've done for one year. It'll be interesting to extend it and to run approximately 20 kilometers a week. That's what it boils down to. Oh my goodness. Wow. I'm like trying to, <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to wrap my head around all of that. That sounds, I mean, it's definitely possible because I was a part of the training, but you didn't really do that training like that intensity the whole year, but I think you can totally do it. And I can't wait to envision you. I'm sure you've already envisioned accomplishing that goal, but mm-hmm. um, I think that's a great, a great progression. And also just because you did something doesn't mean you have to do it and do it and do it and do it. It's great. <laughs> more, you know, you did it. It doesn't mean you have to run marathons for the rest of your life. Um, right. And you might end up doing something else. I could totally see you might be like, uh, you know, champ marathon, whatever the marathon version of swimming is or biking or something like that. Maybe. <laughs> if that's what your company is. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll, I don't know. I don't know. That's so fun. <laughs> okay. Now it's to the part of the show where I call roses and thorns. A rose is something great that's happened to you recently and a thorn is a bump along the way. So what's one rose and one thorn that you have? Ooh, um, I knew this was coming and I didn't, I didn't, I still <laughs> am caught off guard. So one rose is, um, I finished my New Year's resolution ahead of time. <laughs> so I really appreciate that I ran my half marathon, or that I ran my marathon two months before the end of the year then I get to feel accomplished um (laughs) a thorn I'd say um in my business I think the thorn is that I'm not translating the lessons I learned during marathon training into my business um I know that my business is not a sprint it's a marathon but I still catch myself thinking oh I should be further along and I should be Mm -hmm. doing this and I should have crossed that um milestone so just accepting that I have impeccable timing has been a thorn I like that accepting that you have impeccable timing and it's hard to break certain thought processes even if you broke that like physical process of how you trained that thought process might still be lingering and so it'll come just like you made mistakes with that that 10k and you um you know I still can't believe you tried to break it. I wouldn't even do that walking around New York City or something like that. These are Uh, lessons you learn. Yes. You're going to have that with the business. So I'm very hopeful that um, you will definitely accomplish this marathon of your business and it will be very beautiful. And just like when you had your races, you'll have people along the way cheering you on and hydrating you, feeding you, fueling Absolutely. you as you grow as a businesswoman. I love that. Yes. Well, thank you so, so much for being a guest, Eunice. I love that you shared your story, and I hope that motivates everyone listening as we enter into this new year. How can people follow along on your journey? I am at oakandreadlifecoaching.com and most active on Instagram. So Oak and Read Life Coaching is the handle. And I also have an email list that you can sign up for and keep in touch. 
Awesome. I will leave all of that in the show notes below so that people can go and check it out. Thank you again, Eunice. Have a great day. Thank you. Eunice provided great takeaways for each of us. Having a support system or cheering squad, whether it's friends or family or a coach is key. Eunice talked about necessary mindset shifts she made, changing the distance units helped it seem less daunting for her, and envisioning yourself having accomplished that goal builds confidence. And finally, she shares that ultimately, our goal is a destination, and there are many paths to get to that goal. So allow yourself flexibility as you attack it. I hope you all have a happy new year, and I look forward to sharing new episodes with you this year. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast, share this episode and the podcast with friends so that they can listen to stories just like Eunice's. As always, have a great day in your own amazing story.